0: Welcome to The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. What is up, everybody? I know you were just banging on this door, waiting to get in with these two gurus we got ready to talk all about cold messaging. You guys know that I give you a moment to come into the room, so no reason to rush. Uh, Let me know where you're tuning in today. Anthony, where where are you based out of for everybody that's coming in?
1: Yeah, hey there, James, and everyone tuning in. I'm uh, calling in from Indianapolis, Indiana. Oh, hey, well, Indy, good hunting out of Indy. <laughs> eh, go yours? Oh, the surrounding areas.
2: <laughs> Yuri, what's up, man? Where are you calling in from? Hey, James, hey, Anthony, I'm coming from Poland, and I bet you won't be able to say something in Polish. So.
0: No, I do not speak any Polish, uh, but give us a little something, you know? Like, uh, how do you say, it? welcome to sell better in Polish? Dzień dobry,
2: zapraszam wszystkich na podcast.
0: that's what's up all right change your chat settings everybody down to everyone on the bottom right and let us know where you are tuning in from shout out to edmonton canada our canadians always represent portland i see you first in there arizona it is hot out there right now shout out to boston uh for everybody that's an inbound or wanted to be an inbound i know how you feel for lauderdale florida what's going on my hometown of florida minneapolis Minnesota. Uh, St. Louis, Missouri. I see you. San Francisco, the Bay Area, always representing. Shout out, Columbia. Uh, If you're international, let me know where you're tuning in from. Our international crowd bangs. Shout out to you. I see you, Aleski. What's happening? Uh, Lagos, Nigeria in West Africa. I just left Ghana last year. I I spent a lot of time in West Africa. Copenhagen, what's popping? All right. I'm going to launch this question. This is how we tailor the conversation to the folks that are in the room. So go ahead and take part in this as you are coming in. Let's kick things off. We are here to talk about cold email tactics to hook your prospects' attention. The gentlemen that are in the room with me, Mr. Anthony Baniot of Gong. He has been on the show before. Welcome back, my friend. Thanks for having me, James. Pleasure to be here. And I want to introduce you to Yuri. Yuri is the head of business growth over at Woodpecker. We have had our eye on Woodpecker for some time. What's going on,
2: buddy? Welcome. Thank you for coming. Thank you. It's an honor being here.
0: It's like five AM for Yuri, and he had or five PM for Yuri. He has had quite the day, uh, banging out all kinds of podcasts. And speaking of podcasts, I want to drop something in the chat early for you. Our very own Sydney Senior has been on a podcast with Anthony here, so we're going to drop that link right now in the chat so that you guys can go and listen to Sydney and Anthony chop it up. If you are just now joining us, I have something on the screen for you. Scan this QR code, check out our new website, SellBetter.xyz, and do not forget to go over to YouTube and go ahead and subscribe to everything that we've got going on over on our YouTube channel at Sell Better. Uh, All the highlights can be found there, some great stuff. I wanna give a big shout out to our longtime partners, Gong and Vidyard. Now, big ups to Vidyard. Not long ago, Morgan J. Ingram teamed up with Vidyard and Review Tracker to run 60 days of video prospecting. The results were absolutely insane. Within the first two weeks of personalization increased by 100%, and they saw 22% increases in opens, 4% 4% improvements in click rates and a 92% increase in reply rates. You can do this too. So we're going to drop a chat uh, link in the chat right now. Go get this and learn how to do this the same way that Review Tracker did. This is our gift to you for attending the show. There's no cost to this resource. Go and get it. Let's take a look at who's in the room. No shockers here. Look at this. We got uh, 31% and 44% just in SDRs and AEs. A lot of cold emails going out between these groups. Let me tell you guys a little bit about what you are going to get today, you're going to get a lot from what it is to send cold emails as, yo, what up, Dan? Uh, What it is to send emails as an SDR versus AEs. Uh, Also, why cold emails don't work. Yuri is going to talk about some brain chemistry stuff that I think is very, very interesting. We were just talking about Stephen Hawking's book before we kick things off. And then we're also going to give you some practical tactics, real stuff that you can start doing right now that's going to change your results. So let's get into it. And let's talk about uh, the SDRs and AEs in the room Uh, that prospect regularly, right? I think most AEs are responsible for sourcing a certain percentage of their pipeline. And Anthony, you've just recently been promoted over to an AE from an SDR. Has there been any major differences in the way that you send cold emails as an AE versus what you were doing just a few weeks back?
1: Yeah, James, um, to be honest, not much has changed. And I credit that to the fact it's like one of the best pieces of advice I got in my career is like master obviously the role that you're in now, but start doing the stuff that you need to do for that next role that you want to do. Um, and then I also see on LinkedIn a lot that a lot of AEs when they get promoted from an SDR, they lose their SDR skills about prospecting. Mm. So I'd always try to still write my, um, emails as I was an AE booking my own meetings, but um. yeah, I mean, the only real difference is that I'm setting meetings for myself now. So still trying to deliver high quality meetings um, so I can keep a full pipeline.
0: Even more higher quality because you're the one that has to do the actual demo. So I'm sure that it's a lot less like, oh, I got to schedule meetings to hit my quota. And it's like,
1: I got to schedule the right meetings or they won't close, right? Yes. Don't want to be spending my time on uh, bad opportunities.
0: <laughs> you know, opportunities, the quality of opportunities that we create once we become an AE dramatically improve. And it's just because there are several characteristics of messaging that AEs often have that SERs typically struggle with. Yuri, when we talked about this, you were like, look, look, these are the basics of AEs sending cold emails and why they work better. So talk to me about these three talking points and how this evolves in the minds of sales reps.
2: Yeah. I mean, in my opinion, AEs just got a better perspective on how business functions. They right now not only focus on booking those meetings, but they're actually taking care of the pipeline, having those conversations with many people. So what that naturally leads to yeah, towards is that you are just researching more and more about the business. You're trying to understand what makes the needle go, like what really moves the needle forward. So uh, naturally, you're just much more proficient, much better at your outreach, you know what to focus on. Again, we, we all have the saying that 80-20 rule uh, is really great. I think uh, AEs just got a better idea where to focus on those 20%. Mm-hmm. They have a better chances of getting that first impression really nice and carrying themselves over. So um, I think that's the, the main difference. But uh, you know, a lot of a lot of the stuff that AEs do, they still learn while they are SDRs or BDRs.
0: Yeah, you know, I we do this thing I think as leaders sometimes where we tell new reps that are coming in, you know, oh, you know, don't worry, this SDR role is just a stepping stone or a starting point, right? But the truth is, the prospecting piece, cold messaging, is something that you have to do consistently throughout your sales career. It never stops for for good reason, right? We need pipeline. Without being able to create pipeline, we will not be able to manage to close any of those deals. Uh, One happens to affect the other in a dramatic fashion. Uh, Yuri, is there a standard or a foundation that worked for you? When I was first coming into sales in 2014 in the SaaS space, I'd already done door-to-door quite a bit, uh, but then I got thrown to the wolves. It was like a sink or swim moment. Is that how you learned as well?
2: Yeah, pretty much the same for me. I joined a company as an inbound rep, seen a little bit of sales, how, how like conversations go. But then I was offered a chance to go to do the outbound sales, like myself, do sending cold emails, making cold calls. And I had no experience of doing it myself. So it was all like learn as you go, natural selection type of content, like a journey that you're just being thrown into the ocean, learning how to swim on the go. Mm, I think what helped a lot and what a lot of people don't really understand, it's all about the character or like people that are in sales. You can really tell whether they'll be good in sales or not by just looking at their character, whether they're coachable where whether they're like street smart they're able to learn on the go they are resilient they don't take like failures as a disappointment and they don't have the motivation to do the stuff so a lot of that detriments your success and i think i kind of had it slightly so that's what helped me to get like keep myself going when the going got tough Mm -hmm. because a lot of the times like pretty much my journey looked like i got 99 no's and one yes and that yes kept me going for another 99 no's. So yeah. that's how it went.
0: Yeah. Uh, the, the the yes is so much more powerful than all those no's. And I think that's such an interesting mental shift that salespeople end up making long term. Ibad, I see your comment about what to send in email one, and email two, and email three. Uh, we are doing a show on the 7th tomorrow about sequences. So go ahead and sign up for that show. I'm dropping the link in the chat right now. That is about sequences. You're going to want to be at that show tomorrow. If you create sequences, if you use sequences, you'll want to be there with experts coming in to talk. Yuri, you gave us an example of a bad cold email that you received, uh, and I want to highlight it, and then we're going to show you guys a rewrite of this email. And Anthony, uh, is going to talk about that as well. So Yuri, break this email down for us.
2: Yeah, uh, instantly I'm just seeing way too many things that I have seen before. And that naturally triggers my mental spam filters Mm. by saying that mental spam filter, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing something that I've recognized a lot as something as a sales outreach that I got. So once again, I'm seeing like, hi, my name is, and I instantly get this kind of like, you know, Slim Shady vibes, like slim shady kind of, this is how my brain works, but then I see like, I saw on LinkedIn that's such a salesy thing to say, um, then we go into this, uh, kind of an assumption. Uh, also I've talked with many, whatever the role is in industry. This is also, I've seen a lot that salespeople are using, and then we're growing into the feature dump section where whatever their company is doing. So at this point I'm confused. I don't want to read it. Um, and also then somebody goes straight for the kill asking me for a 20 minutes, uh, uh to, to, to catch up tomorrow. Yeah. That's like a big red flags. And like, from my perspective, there are like four or five big things that have to be fixed here.
0: Yeah. And there's also no specific like time zone for that 3 p.m. And you're international. So I feel like people need to be very conscious about time zones. If you're asking for 3 p.m., what does that look like for that prospect? Now, before we look at the rewrite, I want to go to Anthony because you told me something. And let me know in the chat what yes or no is an was an SDR your first job out of college because that was the case for Anthony. Uh, talk to me, Anthony. How did you end up in this position? How would you get good at writing these emails? Then we're going to look at this rewrite
1: yeah um similar to kind of yuri's point so i graduated in 2021 um sdr was my first role out of college like you mentioned and i think what really helped me do well and be successful is just like having um a mindset to just continual learning like i devoted my time to learning a lot of stuff from linkedin reading different sales books, chatting with different professionals just like finding as much insights as i could um I know we talked about it in the pre-show James, but I also had a background working in the service industry. I worked at a smoothie shop for four years in college and then also did um, sales at a camera store in high school. So retail sales and service is a whole nother animal. So building up that uh, strong resilience. But um, I think just, like I said, one of the things that made me like really successful in it too, is just having that discipline and mindset. It's like, I'm not failing along the way. Like, yeah, I had a bunch of people tell me to F off and all the other things but it's just like it's kind of laughing at those fun moments um so the ways to be successful if you're starting out as an SDR in my opinion are devote your time to like continual learning and growth um don't look at failures as a bad thing look at it as a way to grow and then just building mental resilience um yeah that's my top three takeaways for what made me successful as an SDR So every SDR in the room, and there
0: was quite a few of them, make sure that you pay attention to his growth path because you are a reflection of that. You can make that same choice. And notice how he invested in himself and took the time to learn everything that he needed to learn. Let's look at this rewrite really quick. Yuri, kick us off with this rewrite. This is so much simpler and you're saying the same thing.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, uh, a lot of people don't Believing themselves that they're able to write like a hundred word emails in less than 50 words i mean this is kind of a proof that you can like so let, let's go like point by point uh, subject line what i've seen from data shorter subject lines that are boring not salesy like you know no marketing stuff um the they work much better so here i'm seeing like one word subject line Then uh, straight straight for the kill, front loaded first line with a lot of research that's opening like, um, showing me that actually somebody had done their research. Then, um, well, one one thing that I think could be fixed here is that there are some words in sales that we can't actually get uh, rid of, like saw, curious, curious could be the one that we can get away from. But I like, how do you replace saw, you you gotta have to get really creative with wording, so I'm curious is something that could be changed here, but, um, straight away, it's not going for the features. It's explaining to me what are the things like, what are the benefits that, um, I can get from something that I like, and just asking if I've considered doing that. And here, what I really like at the end, uh, it's got the social proof. And I'm um, the, the, the from, from a relevant company, it's got a social proof um that she's focused on the results. and uh, I mean, and it's just it's so cool. like also worth a chat is is a CTA that we're seeing more often recently, but it's a still it's non pushy a call to action with a little bit more of like an unsure tones that doesn't go for like, let's meet tomorrow. So it's way way easier to read this email to skim through this email than compared to the previous one.
0: That's great. Uh, There are a few pieces of this and that CTA is one that I want to talk about with Anthony because he said that that one is one that's been using, been working for him and he's been using it a lot. I call this a green flag. Lots of shows that you come on, we talk about red flags. Let's talk about this green flag for just a minute here, Anthony. It's worth a chat has been working for you. Uh, and something that you said that I thought was kind of comical was that you're trying not to be cutesy in your emails. Tell me about these two things.
1: Yeah. Um, kind of like that first email, it was like a little cutesy and just kind of desperate from the writer's perspective. And I think like what a lot of people as on SDRs and like salespeople just kind of miss is they always put their priorities first when you should be putting your prospects, um, priorities first, like Yuri did when he rewrote that. And so, I do like those CTAs, like I mentioned, worth a chat. Does this sound interesting? Um, Things that are just like kind of asking for open-ended questions. And also it's like a lot of the times you kind of want to have them say no, because then if they say no, then you can be like, okay, so like maybe what are you focused on? Like I think that's another thing that we get caught up to with sending email is like, it always doesn't have to result in a meeting. Like you can look at it as an information gathering um, perspective. So that's how I like try to center some of my emails, avoiding the fluff.
0: <laughs> Avoid the fluff is something we hear a lot. Big shout out to Bilal Batrawi, Death to Fluff. I see his stuff all the time and it's always hitting home for me. I'm, I've am i been guilty of fluff a lot. Irfan, uh, I do see your, your question right there. We are going to get questions answered at the end of the show. So by all means, get your questions into the Q&A section because I'll leave time at the end and we'll try to get as many answered as possible. I want to move to the mind or the mental pieces of the puzzles that happens to our prospects when we read an email. And Yuri had three filters that he talks about that our emails have to go through for our prospects. Yuri, tell people about these three filters, what do they represent, and how do our emails function in this way?
2: Yeah, well, this is not me, this is science. It's all about science, what, what the science got to tell about how human brain receives new ideas and, um, This is kind of the the simplified version of it explaining to you of how, so the most important one, the most important filter we've got to understand is the crocodile brain, lizard brain, call it whatever. And then two others, midbrain and neocortex are nice to to understand, but let's focus on the first one. So croc brain filter works in a way when let's say we are in the street, we're walking somewhere, and then we hear a loud noise that's our subconscious reaction to something. So whether we're here like a loud horn, we're subconsciously, we're getting scared that we might be in danger. And this is the Crog brain filter at work. Crog brain works in a way that when we get, um, so it got basically like three or four reactions. Is it dangerous for like for that person? If it's dangerous, then run, get away from it. Is it boring? If it's boring, skip it. Is it Uh, complex stuff. If it's a complex stuff, then radically simplify it and pass it further. And is it something new for me? If it's not something new for me, the chances are that the information will be passed to the second filter uh, are slim. So you've seen guys here at work that we we've got like a four conditions how the first crocodile brain filter works. And that's our subconscious reaction to every kind of piece of information that we're experiencing around ourselves. Then midbrain filter kicks in when actually trying to see, okay, what the situation is about. Let's go back to the situation where we are in the street. Okay, I I, I see the car approaching like right now. This is the midbrain filter at work. Translate it to a sales terms. Okay, I've just got a cold email. I've got a cold email. Somebody cold emailed me. And then the third filter near Cortex is actually the one who decides what shall I do with it. So situation on the street, where should I run? And I need to run somewhere to hide quickly. And then the situation on the emails, all right, do I want to respond to that email? Do I want to avoid it? And stuff like that. So very simplified explanation.
0: I love these three filters and I think they play really well into human nature. We're going to talk more about human nature here shortly and how your emails function alongside human nature. Great questions coming into the Q&A, y'all. I love good questions and our experts are going to be ready to answer them. Uh, Anthony, Yuri asserted, and I think I agree with this, we're we're making a generalization here, and let me know in the chat. Put a one in the chat if you agree. Most cold emails are pushy, irrelevant, and spammy, and often deliver no value. Put a one in the chat if you agree with that statement. I always agreed with that statement, especially as somebody that receives a lot of cold emails. (laughs) Yuri, I saw your one. Uh, But Anthony, uh, what are your thoughts on this? How can people avoid that on the front lines? And again, back to your original comment about how we often put our our needs first and we don't think about the prospect.
1: Yeah, um, and even like I'm an individual contributor, but I still get outreach um, and all the time. It's like <laughs> the ones that I get, it's just not thought out. It's just like through it's large. It's throwing a lot of like just randomness. I can't even follow what's going on and half the time it's not relevant to me or um, what Gong does. So I think like making sure to stop and ask yourself like, hey, is this relevant to the person I'm reaching out? Like I'm not sending a sales ops message to a CRO because I think that's another important thing to understand is like who your target market is because you can say like sales, but it's like, you know, you have a CRO, you have VPs of sales, like chief um, marketing officers, like everyone has a different priority. So there's no one size fits all. Mm. That's just the one thing that I think we really need to like all learn um is is like everyone has different priorities so making it more focused on like to the persona um relating it to like industry relevant peers that you work with today like trying to just frame it away from yourself and making it about the prospect their problems and like even if you don't know like exactly what their problems are but you worked with a customer that's somewhat similar you can mention it's like hey you know like um yuri put in his first email have you thought about this we helped a customer do xyz with this like is this worth a chat or is this even top of mind for you in your world
0: yeah he just articulated a full email in like three sentences and i think what we're taking away from this is that the brevity skills that you develop as you move forward in your sales career work to your advantage when it comes to how c-level executives Uh, decision-making entities that function above the power line prefer to receive and read emails. Uh, Nobody wants to read your Lord of the Rings novel. So when you write them, look and see how long they are. Ask yourself, how many times is somebody going to have to scroll if they read this on a mobile device? If it's one, two scrolls, probably think about shortening that and go for the conversation. You know, you want attention and engagement. That's one of Anthony's biggest points there is you want engagement. That is the goal. Uh, and all of that comes through human nature and our ability to leverage human nature in our messaging. So, Yuri, uh, what other human nature aspects are at work when it comes to our sales messaging? Break these down for everybody.
2: Yeah. Well, basically, this is science explaining to us and telling us what to do when we write a cold email. Mm. What, like, so I've, I've explained to you how our, like, you know, filters of our brains work. So how do we receive ideas? You you y'all, guys have voted on what kind of emails are mostly being sent. And we we can all agree that most of the cold emails, 99% don't actually pass the first filter. I'm not even talking about the two, like the neocortex and the midbrain. Right. So here's what science got got to tell us about um, cold emails at work. It's gotta be something interesting. Storytelling is always interesting, but here's the catch. How do you write storytelling in the shorter emails? Because data tells us that the shorter emails that are around 50 words that are adapted for mobile, optimized for mobile, perform way better. Well, here's the thing. You've got to make each word count. You, you've got to, you've got to write it in the way that it, each line makes sense. And it keeps people engaged. You've got to hook their attention and keep them engaged. Um, compliments, everybody loves compliments, especially if you've done the research around some kind of authored content by the person. Let's say I'm here right now on 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 the sell better show, somebody approaches me like Yuri love the sell better like uh, the appearance you had. Of course, everybody's gonna receive it in in the positive way. But here's the catch, you've got to be able to this is this will get you open doors. But what what you're doing next with that, you've got to be relevant with whatever next you're telling that. And if you're just going to do the personalization, but what you're actually selling to me doesn't make any sense. You're yeah. just going to ruin your first impression. Then we're going for this direction of how do we read emails, this F shaped uh, structure, when we're checking out our emails, we're actually skimming through the emails, we're not really reading them. So we, we need to skim through the emails first to understand whether this is something I want to like devote my attention t- uh, to. And then only then I'm starting to read the emails. So shorter emails that are spaced with three paragraphs are performing way better. And um, Yeah, I think that's, that would be uh, it for a start. And uncertain tones, sure, uncertain tones also is a great thing. When we feel that someone is being really authoritative and pushy in a cold email with a stranger, it sets us off as we are in a dangerous situation. So using unsure tones, actually, like I've seen the data that just unsure tones alone get you a 30% better chance of getting the response. And when you're able to combine it with a more um, easy to understand language, so let's say like sixth grade uh, reading uh, kind of uh, language, you're increasing your chances like three times just to get a response. And that's crazy. you like, this is what we really really saw in that example of the first email and then the rewrite version. Pretty much email says the same thing, but it's so much easier to read through and respond to that email. And the fifth thing that I, I think is really important is just giving people a way out not really pressuring them into making a decision and kind of like, uh, using CTA. So that like, I, I don't know if that's even a priority for you guys right now, but is it worth exploring? Um, maybe that's like, like we can do the same for you, but I just wanted to make sure that this is a prior, this is like of importance. So those things will definitely help you, will not hurt you.
0: There's a combination there, uh, at the end that you had, where you were like providing a way out along with that uncertain tone, when you can combine these things. I think they become doubly powerful, right? They, they double in their strength and their effectiveness. It's almost impossible to talk about effective cold emails without discussing uh, subject lines. Uh, let me know in the chat if you came here because subject lines are something that you want to hear about. Uh, this is probably one of those things that come up on almost every show that we do when it comes to outbound messaging in the email, right? Uh, So Anthony, talk to me about subject lines that have been working well for you and how they've been working.
1: Yeah. So one of the things that I've recently started experimenting with is having no capitalization at all. Um, A lot of times we talk about like, you know, email um, camouflage to like make it seem like an internal email. Um, So that's one way that you can start with. One of the most popular ones that I do, and this is always on my first um, step, so typically when I'm making outreach, I do a cold call first, and then I send an email um, if I don't get a hold of the person. And I know this will be controversial, but um, I always like to say, leave a voicemail. And my voicemail is as simple as, hey, James, no need to call me back. Um, Drop in an email to your inbox line with a subject line per my message or per my voicemail, whichever one you want to use. Um, I actually, I know we'll talk about it in the little bit here, but that one usually gets a good response and it has high open rates for me because I'm pointing the person where to go and nine out of 10 people have an iPhone. So they just read the transcript now. Um, boring can work too. Just like if you see maybe like a company grew, um, sometimes I'll just throw in like 13% growth or just like maybe something from their LinkedIn. Um, and then I think the other piece that's important too is just like not having super long ones, like don't try to put more than, I would say more than three words if you can, but definitely not more than that.
0: Yeah, I was surprised when, Yuri, when you talked about this and you said, boring works for me. I always try to be electric with all the things that I do and it's counterintuitive to think that a boring subject line is gonna open. Lavender talks about this pretty regularly. Um, And then I liked when you said, you know, if the email that I got is about integration, the subject line simply needs to be integration. Uh, so talk to me about subject lines from the buyer's perspective, since I think you get pitched quite a bit uh, as head of growth. Uh, what are the subject lines that capture your attention?
2: Yeah, so the, the main thing to remember here is that anything that's pattern interrupting is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Once I'm starting to recognize something as, as a cold email, as a, as a sales uh, approach, I instantly put my skeptic hat on and trying to look for the things for the red flags. So the more you're trying to kind of hide it away from me, the better. And when I get a subject clients, such as like you should said, like simple, like integration, app conversion, uh, stuff like that, like not like something like a quick question or like read ir- 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 dot, dots and kind of here, follow up, just checking in, I have much more ease with the email. So whenever I'm getting those kind of messages, it just feels more natural for me to read them. Yeah, and um, so I also try to replicate that approach. As also I'm a, as a, as a sales leader who is constantly in the trenches. So what I'm sending, I would treat myself. I'm trying to do like uh, shorter subject lines. and that has helped me so much. Like my cold email rates, open rates has shot up drastically. So like I'm I'm really preaching that idea. Just go for the shorter subject line that is boring. Because here's the idea. A lot of people are reading pretty much out of five emails, four will be read on phones. And when you're opening an email, you're seeing the preview section. The shorter the subject line is, the higher the chances that somebody will see your first line. And then it's up for you to decide what you're writing in the first line. But I always go for the front loaded line with the research. So when somebody sees a shorter subject line, it just gives me more space to put some like additional good research into the first line. And it just increases my chances of being heard.
0: I I think that there's something to be said for that preview line being the focus rather than the subject line. Simple and boring, counterintuitive, but less time taken on the, the reader's side. And then also, how can I customize that preview line so that when they skip that one word subject line and get to it, it screams, I wrote this for you, right? That's an opportunity that every salesperson I think has. Anthony, you provided us With a couple of great examples of your flow where you leave that phone call and that voicemail and you tell them you're about to shoot an email break this down for everybody
1: yeah um and then a quick little prospecting tip too um for your company is if you're using sales navigator you can go to activities and see who's following your company's page um so in this case it was a vp of sales that i called they didn't answer use my voicemail line put that there I said in the first line, hey, notice you follow Gong on LinkedIn. Are you a former user, or just a fan of the content? Um, and then I knew exactly what their problems were that they're looking to solve for. So I talked about that, just kept it one line, super simple. Um, and then asked like about an outcome and said, hey, interested in hearing how we helped one company reduce ramp time. So it's like very sweet, to the point, short. Um, and I was able to get a response from it.
0: Nice response. That is the name of the game. Do not forget response is the name of the game that is the goal not always a meeting uh engagement 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 all right uh this is example number two uh what was the scenario on this one
1: yeah um so this one um you know this person and their company had looked at gong about a year ago so me being a new ae i went into gong looked at all my clothes loss opportunities saw that timing wasn't right um so i did the same thing and this person was a cro so called left a voicemail um complimented them just because i do kind of know this person through linkedin so i was a little bit more friendly tone of voice um but also one of the things that i think is important is like and i heard this kind of having that curiosity and like uncertainty that you already talked about is like don't want to waste your time or my time candidly i'm not even sure if it's going to be a good fit but just want to understand where things are from your point of view Mm -hmm. Um, She responded. She was like, great message. Love the fact that you also left a voicemail and pointed. She's like, super helpful. Nine out of 10 times I do respond to those. So proofs in the pudding with that. Great examples
0: right there. And notice that both of those examples got responses. So it's hard for people to be like, oh, well, you know, it's different for your buyer or whatever. All of those can be adapted to your own buyers, those flows. We learned a lot today about human nature. So I'm curious for everybody in the audience, What kind of human nature do you play on when you're sending your emails? And with that, we're going to go into some Q&A right now. So this first one comes from Ibad. I hope I'm saying your name right. Uh, What are your thoughts on starting an email with a problem statement instead of an observation and then adding a cost of inaction or repercussions? This is a great question. We'll start with Yuri on this one.
2: Yeah, it's a great practice only when you know for a fact that this is something they're really fine. Like, they're re- this is a really a challenge for them. This is really a problem. The way to find that out information, is just go below the line, ask, like, get in touch with the reps from somebody from the team, speak with them. Sometimes it could be difficult because you don't really know who's working in what team. Yep. But it really makes sense because if you think about that from that perspective, you only got one chance to make the first impression right. And when you are, like, blowing your chances by just, like, stating a problem that's not even a problem for them, then, then, then it's a, then it doesn't work, it doesn't make any sense. Cost of inaction, this is a great thing. But here's also something to remember, how do you keep your emails not that long, and still try to show the cost of action or inaction? Uh, I think the really great thing for that would be like a social proof for extremely like relevant company, or like even a competitor of theirs, uh, saying like, that something happened, how it influenced their like KPIs. And if, if it's even like, you know, it, Like if it's, if they want to do something like that, but you just first want to make sure that it's a focus for them, I think that would be a great thing, but you have to be certain of what you're saying.
0: Yeah. Uh, confidence in your tones, in your emails is such an enormous focus for salespeople. As it come off uncertain on their end. Okay. That's probably going to work for you. But if it comes off like you're uncertain about your value or your service or your product, that's going to hurt you in the long run. Ah, uh, same question for you, Anthony. What do you think about opening with a problem statement instead of jumping right into an observation, something you saw? Right, obviously very overused. And then it looks like just so we can show these results, it looks like a lot of folks are focused on the pain points when it comes to human nature. That's what they're after. No, ch- no shockers there. I think leadership pushes that pretty regularly. Oh, talk about the pain points. Uh, okay, go, 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 go for for the uh, for the question that we have here from Bob.
1: Yeah, I, I like it to Yuri's point. Um, I, especially like how you called out working below the line and that was something that I took advantage of, um, especially a lot, like at my last company and I do it a lot still today. It's like a lot of times people just kind of overlook, but it's like, Hey, these are the people that are on the front lines. Like they know what the problems are. And, um, typically, you know, you see from time to time, it's like some of the leaders, the further they get removed from the line. They may not know what exactly the problems are so you can just like have that frame of view um and i think it is a really helpful piece to then because that kind of opens the conversation and going back to the point that we just keep hitting on like doesn't always have to be about just getting a meeting set up it's like you want to get the conversation going you want to be in that information gathering so um i do send a decent amount of my emails with a pain point or like the problem statement um in that preview line
0: a fine line. I think we have to be very careful not to go fishing for pain points. Uh, and that's where the research comes in handy because you want to be certain about the pain point. You certainly don't want to guess and you don't for, but for any reason at all, use words like I'm guessing (laughs) instead we had somebody yesterday that said, I like, I'd imagine much better. That was a great tip. Uh, that was given yesterday. All right. We talked about subject lines. Here's my question for everybody. Now, how many words are typically in your subject lines? Uh, and that's a great question from Ibad. Thank you for asking. This one comes from Michael thoughts on adding a video like from loom or from vidyard into cold emails. I actually have some interesting information about this, but let's start with Anthony this time. What about, uh, sending a video with a link or without a link as your first touch?
1: I don't do it for the first touch. Um, right. cause like Yuri mentioned, you know, the like red flags go up and I mean, so much today, especially like IT systems, how they're integrated. It'll be like, this looks suspicious. And even when I email my work email from my personal email, it says this looks suspicious. Um, So I think like one, probably like the person doesn't even know who you are. If they start to understand like, okay, hey, this person's been reaching out to me like, you know, three times now I got a LinkedIn touch from them. I've gotten emails, I've gotten a cold call, like having that understanding, um, they'll probably be a little bit more receptive to it. But you need to make sure that you include like some type of like leading statement to like make them open the video don't just like send the video and be like hey why didn't you watch it
0: yuri do you open a video you click on a video if somebody sends it to you as a cold message
2: Yeah, so in our company policy, it's allowed, but I know that a lot of companies are very strict for that. So they're not even it's not that even like a decision for a person, it's just company does not allow them to open the external stuff. So here's like one thing to remember. Um, I like, I really love Anthony's approach is that maybe it makes sense. And it definitely works when you have a relationship later when you got that initial response, and you maybe record a video and explain a little bit further. I like that approach. And like, the same goes for LinkedIn voicemails, or just voicemails in general, maybe voicemails do work when you call call, and then you kind of, you know, like, mention in the, in, in the voicemail that um, you're gonna, you're about to send them an email, no need to respond here or call back, that that works. But other than that, I don't feel like this is a really great practice. Also from the do- deliverability side, when you are sending a lot of cold emails with the links, to a first time your contact servers, the receiving servers, sees it as a huge red flag. It is a huge red flag to them. So you, you basically you're hurting your chances of delivering future cold emails. So it's kind of you know, like lose lose situation in this side.
0: Uh so I will tell you some some. I'll give you some data points. Back in 2021, so two years ago, almost three years ago. I know a lot has changed since then, but I wanted to put this to the test. So I found. 90 cold prospects that had never heard of us before, they weren't in our CRM, so they had no interest, they had never been in our purview before. And I sent them cold videos. The video went like this. Hi name, I don't know how many videos you get like this, but I wanted to send one just for you. I don't know if you're interested in this, but I'd love to have a real conversation. Here's a link below and I'd love to meet up. No pressure, no rush, we'll talk to you soon. Never told them my name or who I'm with, nothing, right? I ended up scheduling six meetings in 12 hours, with four of them being enterprise accounts. So the point there is that it depends on your ideal personas. If you are selling to salespeople, their curiosity about video is pretty high right now. So they're probably gonna open that video, check it out, especially if it's one of those that are like, ah, like moving around, right? But if you're selling to a C-level executive in the insurance industry, my guess is they have a policy that says, don't click on shit that you're not expecting. So you probably won't get a lot of opens. I sell to salespeople. So for me, that was an easy thing to prove. Even if I only scheduled six meetings every 12 hours and I only ever sent 90 videos a day, that's like 80 meetings in a month. Know your persona when it comes to what you're sending as your first touch. That's the lesson there. Uh, Great stuff. And I want to share these results right here. It looks like most of you are sending two to three word subject lines. And that is ideal in our data. Uh, We see that all the time. Uh, So I appreciate that. Dan Falco you're killing me hilarious in the chat right now uh hard hard not to pay attention to what you're saying this one comes from Dan what do you guys think about formality in an email is it good to say things like what's up JB or do we need to be like hello James how about formality
1: Anthony yeah um I think I more lean on the side of like a friendly tone but okay. trying to be like a friendly consultative like even seeing if i can help i don't think you need to be like super formal it's not like you're writing a college essay or anything um and i guess it too also just depends on the persona like maybe it is a c level you probably want to be a bit more buttoned up but i think it's just kind of like understanding the persona like you mentioned and yeah. um try A B testing it that's the other thing like with a like emails There's no one size that fits all. Like, you just have to A-B test a lot of different things. (laughs) A-B testing is such a crucial skill that every seller needs to adapt. Become a scientist. Yuri,
0: do you think you respond as head of growth to more personal and casual email language? Or do you think you respond more favorably to
2: more formal language? Me, personally, I respond to a casual stuff. I like it better. But you, you, you nailed it, and Anthony, also. Uh, I so said, a great point. It's all about the personas, who are your ICP, who are you reaching out to? If you're going to be sending email, uh, to a doc region and somebody like a doctor position, you better not be like casual. Hey, what's up my boy, <laughs> stuff like that. What's up doc. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you got to really understand that. And, and like, you know, I'm selling also to salespeople. So salespeople love to have fun. They love memes. They love just like, you know, they love catchy stuff. They love being like, being, um, just seeing something new, excited, exciting stuff. So, um, easier to understand language. Usually it's a more of a casual language that works best for me. It brings me more responses. Every buyer has an ideal selling
0: personality that they gravitate towards. Every seller sells to a specific personality type better than another. Uh, My suggestion is always to recognize what types of people you sell best to and focus on those individuals. Lean on your teammates that sell to other types of personalities and do yourself the favor and your company and pass those leads that they might sell well to, to those individuals. If I have somebody that worked in logistics that sits next to me, I am not going to go after that logistics company. I'm going to give it to that person so that they can talk logistics and speak their language. They're going to have a higher likelihood of closing that deal. All right. For the folks in the audience, Yuri,
2: where can people connect with you? Uh, just go follow me on LinkedIn. I try to post every day with actionable stuff about cold emailing. So, yeah.
0: All right, we're gonna put we're gonna put Yuri's LinkedIn in the chat right now, so everybody can go connect with Yuri, learn more. Uh, great resource, always creating great content. Anthony, you are on the rise, my man. I am excited to see your growth, buddy. Where can people connect with you?
1: Appreciate it, James. Um, also connect with me on LinkedIn. I post usually about three to four times a week about just sales in general, my transition from an SDR to AE and a lot of mindset. Um, and then I also, like you said, host a podcast with Sydney called Happily Ambitious, which is on Spotify and most of them accept it for Apple right now.
0: <laughs> Incredible. We love Sydney. She comes in and does a great job hosting for us. I want to thank everybody for coming out and spending time with us today. We do know that your time is valuable you're going to get a survey after the show immediately tell us how we did let us know what you want to see more of give us a great score there so that we can continue to create this amazing content for you you're the reason that we put all this together check us out sellbetter.xyz connect with me personally at say what sales and we will see everybody tomorrow as we talk about sequence building and effective sequence best practices with clara johnson and tom alemo see you tomorrow everybody have a great day go get them